Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by the Star Tribune's Ben Gestling and Michael Rand from TCO Performance Center, where the Vikings are practicing, finally. They're playing real football, kind of. It's unpadded, but they're getting back on the field this Wednesday. Daniil Hunter's here. Jordan Addison's here. Justin Jefferson's here. We'll talk about all of them, probably, maybe in that order. Uh, we should start with the news that Daniil Hunter reported to training camp uh, on Tuesday, if you did not hear, uh, with the rest of his teammates, and he's taking part, uh, at least in some of the activities in the building. Maybe not all of them. Um, ben, we were talking to Quasi Dofomensa, Kevin O'Connell yesterday. You had asked, I believe, both of them about Hunter. What stood out to you about their comments as we see Daniil here? Well, it did not. It's not a holdout because you can't really do that in this day and age and not end up having to pay a lot of money. But it does not sound to me like everything is all systems go. Kevin O'Connell talked about it's going to be day by day with Daniil Hunter and Quasi Adolfo Mensa basically said it's good to see him. He said there's a lot of things to work out. I don't know that we will see him on the field until or unless a contract is done. Talking to a couple of people yesterday, my sense is it's not out of the question that he gets moved. I, I don't think him showing up to camp guarantees that he is with the Vikings this year. I think if he is with the Vikings, it's going to be on a new contract. I know they are still trying to work on a number of different scenarios. There, there's a lot going on here, and there has been a lot going on, but it's either try to get something figured out with the contract or still a possibility that somebody else says, hey, we'll give you a good offer and we will give him a contract that is more along the lines of what he wants. We'll see if that gets done or how long it will take. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if we see something soon because a lot of these early practices kind of become a trigger to get a lot of this stuff done. We've seen a lot of business get done in the NFL even this morning before teams start practicing. I think there's a ways to go here yet and we can cover that space fairly quickly if people agree on numbers and, and all of that sort of stuff but the fact that he's here does not 100% mean that you're going to see him do everything he would normally do yeah Mike we talked earlier this week about how very few players actually hold out like Ben was talking about Chris Jones with the Chiefs is one of the few decided not to report right away the um, I believe Josh Jacobs as well. Zach Martin, the guard with the Cowboys, decided not to as well. Um, but Daniil Hunter reports because it's a 50000 mandatory fine, no takebacks on that kind of a deal anymore under the CBA. The owners have legislated out really the ability to hold out. And so it's going to be more of this hold in, as was referenced in a question to Quase Adolfo Mensa yesterday about Daniil Hunter. Um, or I think it might have even been O'Connell about how he handles these kind of situations. So Mike, we also heard from Brian Flores today about Daniil uh, being here. And what did he have to say? Because I was out at Jordan Addison. I thought Flores was a little bit more, <clears throat> he said a little bit more, I think, than those guys did. Like, Quasi was just basically like, happy to see him. Like, he, he was very vague. He had his general manager hat on. And Flores was at least talking about the kind of player Daniil is, talking about how he's, he met with Daniil yesterday. Um, in the, presumably here and how that wasn't the first time they'd met, how he's gotten to know him over the last few months that he's been in the building. So he, whether this is just a defensive coordinator who has wishful thinking, like, I don't know who's going to rush the quarterback if Daniel Hunter's not here, but Flores at least sounded more like a coach who is 
somewhere between hoping and expecting to coach Daniil Hunter at some point here. Um, but so I thought that was interesting. But again, I, I, he's not the one that's going to make this final decision. He's not the one crunching the numbers. He's not the one even making final, you know, roster evaluations. So take whatever he said with, you know, with, with that in mind. But he did sound to me like a coach who thought he was going to be coaching Daniel Hunter. Certainly one that he wishes he would be. Of course, with, yes. Without him, it's Marcus Davenport, Patrick Jones, Andre Carter, Luigi Villane, DJ Wanham, I should mention, who's actually the guy taking Daniel Hunter's reps um, from him. But this is obviously a longstanding saga, that one that we typically see Daniel play nice with in terms of showing up. It was a step a message, I should say, for him to skip mandatory minicamp the way that he did. Um, but for him to show up to training camp shows that he at least wants to play nice uh, as far as that goes, and maybe they will accommodate his needs, whether financially or with a new team. Yeah, I just don't think – I mean, we hear from coaches on this, and I I think especially on this one, it's hard to be a coach and do anything other than what Kevin O'Connell and Brian Flores did because it's ultimately not – 100% their decision. I mean, this is a Rob Brzezinski thing. This is a Quasi Adolfo Mensa thing. This is a Daniil Hunter's agent thing. Um, and obviously, Daniil Hunter has to say, yes, I'm comfortable with whatever the contract is going to be. But th- there are so many other things that I think will have to happen before the coaches actually get to work with him very much. Because the simple matter of this is, you know, people would ask, okay, well, he's under contract. Why is he not going on the field? He is on a contract that doesn't have any guaranteed money and is below market, at least in terms of what he's done, and certainly well below what he wants to be paid. I think the question of whether he's going to get paid what he wants to be paid is is a fair question. But in the meantime, his thinking, I'm sure, is why would I go out and put myself at risk of getting hurt when I have no leverage at that point to get anything close to what I want? So, And I, I think coaches get that I mean Kevin O'Connell has been through this enough Brian Flores has been through this enough to understand those dynamics but that is absolutely part of of what's going on here so as a coach I think you're sort of hoping for the best and trying to make the best of a an awkward situation but the fact that it hasn't gotten done to this point tells you there has been a lot of kind of space that has to be bridged for everybody to be happy with where he's at if in fact he's going to be here I did think Quasi's comment yesterday when he was asked about you know what's her confidence I'll be part of the team and he just goes I'm happy to see him I mean that says what you're saying and that this is very much a fluid situation and we don't know if he'll be here basically well and it's been a it's been a situation that we've talked about this there's a lot of history to this I mean you go back to 2020 when he first gets hurt he first hurts his neck uh the the infamous tweak uh, in the words of of Mike Zimmer um the day I believe that they traded Yannick Ngakwe and they were like one and five at the bye was the same day that Hunter goes out to New York to get a second opinion, ultimately ends up having surgery on the neck. And I think that was the same day that his camp starts leaking. He's not happy with his contract. He wants to be paid uh, Bosa money, I think, was the... Was highest defensive player, basically. Right, Highest yeah. paid defensive player. Yeah, like 27, 28 million, and, and now highest paid defensive player is, is north of 30 with Aaron Donald. But that goes back to that point, and then the, he's basically been through a couple of rounds of, we'll change the contract around a little bit, but it hasn't really ever upped the money, because he signed that deal in 2018, which I think was like 
the same length and term as what Stefan Diggs got, and they basically said, here's the same thing. You want it? Sure. Um, well, and it happened to be one $100,000 below Everson Griffin. Like, yes, it just happened to match, yes. Like, and I don't think that was on accident. No, I don't think so either. Just like Stefan Diggs, and when they read it, Adam Thielen's deal – trying to make I mean from what I had heard at the time Adam Thielen was adamant about saying and this is this is such a uh hats off to Adam Thielen for his his Minnesotan through and through but the uh from what I'd heard Thielen wanted to make sure he was not paid more than Diggs because he knew it was going to bother Diggs if that happened and it was like I need him focused so it's you know I I think taking the the long view in some ways but the like no I don't want to upset the apple cart here um Adam Thielen is from Minnesota. Uh, the Star Tribune has learned, um, but Daniel fell in line equally so with yeah, Everson. Yeah, like I, yeah. I'm fine being right there. Even though at the time he signs that deal, he is 23. I, I think. know something incredibly. Yeah, young. 2018. Yeah. I think he's a 94 yeah. birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's they're still trying to unwind a lot of that stuff, and it's also I mean he he had a productive year last year, but it was not the kind of season that said, okay, we've seen everything we need to see. Let's throw him $25 million a year. I mean, they still have some questions, I think, about ultimately how much of a game wrecker he's going to be in the role they have him in now. So that also has put a little bit of um, uh, it, uh, drag, I guess, on the on the, the pace of these things, yeah. to use a, a physics-slash-NASCAR term. Probably more NASCAR than where I learned it than physics. But uh, – <laughs> Um, <laughs> we'll get into that later, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of history to this that they are still trying to figure out and just a lot of feelings about how negotiations have gone that have colored the way this whole thing has played out. Yeah. And they've only successfully negotiated one restructure and it was in 2021, right after the injury to get him back onto the field. And that was the one that set up the $18 million roster bonus the following year. They tried to restructure it ahead of the roster bonus and as Ben, as you reported, they tried to shop him last year during that and then couldn't ended up keeping him on that roster bonus. And everybody knew when that restructure was set up in 2021 that it was all set up to redo it again before 2023 when he's due $5 million, yeah. which is the price that, you know, your average 34-year-old pass rusher gets who's at the end of his career. Daniil is worth at least three times that in the most modest view of his value. Is it a mistake that it's gotten this far then? Like, it feels like they had ample time to get this sorted out and I know Ben always talks about you know deadlines create action create pressure whether it's trade deadline whether it's draft things like that like you get you get things to move when practice the actual deadlines. thing what's that like practice deadlines yeah <laughs> I mean I'm like doing podcasts we're recording this <laughs> doing podcasts before practice right mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good example but like one one thing that's kind of struck me and I brought this up with Chip Scoggins the other day on on daily delivery but it, They've kind of they put themselves into a little bit of a box with the idea of the competitive rebuild because I feel like if they were if they had just said we're going to be competitive we want to win right now the Daniil Hunter situation and maybe even Kirk Cousins would be kind of cut and dried we're going to sign these guys we're going to we're going to pay these guys we're going to keep trying to win ten or eleven games every year if they were full in on a rebuild I think it'd be pretty easy Kirk Cousins is out Daniel Hunter's traded that's it now they're, they're trying to live in both worlds and that makes these decisions complicated and that's kind of a, a not a mess but a, a predicament of their own making well and it's so I mean Quasi talked about this yesterday it's such an interesting way to go because I think and he said I could basically give you all the analytics to show why 
the teardown, which is which is him saying, "I'd, I'd rather do it that way." Well, like I'm a math, I'm a math guy. Yes, um, I, I think there's a little bit of that. I think you could certainly make the case that, and and the mandate has come from ownership. Every time they've talked, it's been. I mean, Mark Wolf said it again at the owners' meetings. We expect to be super competitive every year. We expect to win the division every year. I don't think the Wolves. I'm sure they're saying the same things privately that they say publicly. I don't. They're not a fan of the teardowns. They like to be relevant. They like the idea that the team at least has a chance every year. So yeah, it it is a really tough line to walk and I don't know if if you're working for another ownership group and you're given a different set of marching orders would they do it the same way I'm not sure if Quasey were in charge of the Bears is he doing anything different than that's an interesting point because there is a there is an alternative world because both of both Quasey Adolfo Mensa and Ryan Poles were in the running for that job and this one Ryan Poles was the other finalist for this job in Minnesota. Obviously, Ryan Poles goes to the Bears. The Bears make him a big offer, and they have said, we are committed to the rebuild. We do not care about the current results. We want to build a foundation for this thing and then go from there. The Vikings have gone a different direction. So, um, yeah, if you flip that, and maybe that's why it went the way it did. I don't know if Ryan Poles was um, – not as much on board with going yeah. that way. And yeah, maybe he came in here and said, I got a vision for you. You know, I want to rip yeah. everything to the studs. And the Wilfs were like, okay, we'll talk later. Yeah, there could be some of that. And I, from what I heard, too, the Bears had made him a big offer. And I think that was a lot of what pushed him in that direction. But, yeah, there is certainly the the twin restarts for the Vikings and Bears continue to be a fascinating case study because what the Vikings are attempting to do is really hard to pull off as as Quasey basically admitted yesterday but you know if that's what your bosses who sign the checks and ultimately decide whether you're employed are telling you to do um you probably just have to make the best of it in some ways well, and there was a former general manager here who managed to stay employed for like 16 or 17 years doing that. Yes, so, he did. So it's not always a bad way to uh, stay gainfully employed with the Will yes. family. Yeah, Quasey said on Tuesday as, as camp opened that what they're doing with the competitive rebuild is, quote, riskier than teams tearing it down and building it back up. He just admitted like what we're doing is riskier than some other teams like Chicago. He didn't say that, but like Chicago that are totally stripping it down. The first move they make is trade Khalil Mack, that kind of stuff. Those are also risky, too, though. Like, you can be bad for a long time if you don't get the right quarterback. Yeah, if you miss it. If you miss the quarterback or you miss the window. Yeah, and, and, I mean, he said last year you never want to go full Rams. Wasn't that the quote? Meaning, like, you push everything in for now. But, yeah, it's – I and I don't know. It it would be – I mean, he's choked about conversations over tequila and maybe we'll get into the real thing. You know, I'm not – blocking space on my calendar for those to happen in the next couple of weeks but it would be really interesting to have that conversation and see what the thought process is if it differs at all from what we hear publicly um that said we are where we are and they are trying to make it work with this sort of uh, live in both worlds thing which is really tough to pull off all right, let's move on to uh, – unless there's anything more to add about – No, Hunter I think that's good for him. Committed rebuilds. We should talk about Jordan Addison, who is back on the field. He's expected to be a full participant, as Kevin O'Connell says, in training camp um, right away as it starts Wednesday. 
um, as they do their ramp-up period, um, which they call it. But the team is standing behind his character. I thought it was interesting that after Jordan drives 140 miles an hour in a Lamborghini SUV on I-94 in St. Paul, um, that the team stood by. I mean, he apologized. He said, I had poor judgment. The player did. And Addison's one of the youngest rookies in this draft class. He's 21 years old. Um, and so he, he chalked it up to a lapse in poor judgment. Uh, and the team did as well. The, uh, Kevin O'Connell and, and Adolfo Mensa came out and said, we stick behind him because we know his family from the pre-draft research we did. We know his, his network, his representatives, and all of them, the way they responded to this, including his family reaching out to Kwesi, uh, they felt reassured after uh, probably the, maybe one of the first, I don't know, late night phone calls or early morning phone calls Kevin O'Connell's had to receive as head coach because there haven't been too many of those Everson Griffin style incidents or police incidents. I don't know. The first year was kind of smooth sailing for them when it came to that. So um, Jordan Addison doing this was kind of a rocky start to camp. But from what we heard, they were smooth sailing in terms of now we think he's going to be just fine. I'm surprised that when Quasi got asked on Tuesday if there's going to be any team discipline, team fines, anything like that, he's like, oh, we're, we're, we're still talking about that. Just still discussing. Like, that seems like a no-brainer to me. The guy's doing 85 miles an hour over the speed limit. Like, isn't there some – Maybe they are going to do it, and they're just going to keep it quiet and whatever, and maybe that's just GM speak. But that that struck me as, like, it's one thing to vouch for someone's character. It's another thing to hold them accountable. Like, this feels like it needs a little bit of accountability at least. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. What do you do? I don't run an NFL team, so I have no idea what, what I would do. But um, the, Kwesi did mention when asked, is there any punishment? He said, we're still talking through it, and that we'll keep it internal regardless of what we do. Uh, but the good thing is for the Vikings is that he's healthy. He missed all of OTAs, missed mandatory minicamp uh, with an injury picked up in his first one of his first practices in rookie minicamp back in May. And so this kid's been through the draft process, which is grueling enough for guys. It, then he had to go through the injury, and then he makes that dumb decision in July. I'm sure he can't wait to get back on the field and show the Vikings what they drafted because, uh, Ben, it's going to be kind of a first impression for all of us, coaches included, to see him out there. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's not been an ideal start for anybody's kind of sense of things there. So, yeah, I I think him, I'm sure he's excited to, to get – on the field and get people talking about something else but yeah in terms of the discipline part of it yeah I, we're not probably going to find out a ton of that I mean the phrase will keep that internal uh, speaking of former GMs that were employed here for a very very long time that was a favorite phrase uh, back then as well so uh, we're not I my guess is they um, I don't know I, I shouldn't even speculate because I don't I don't know how they're handling these types of things this is really kind of the first one along those lines that they've had. But, I mean, O'Connell kind of said this can't happen again. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in some ways that's also worth watching is does he stay out of trouble? Does anything like this or anything beyond this happen soon? And if so, what is the, the move at that point? Because you kind of – if you get, you know – and I don't know that going 140 miles an hour should ever – be something that you say okay that's your mulligan that's your one warning um but if they're going to play it that way it would be very difficult to say the second one if something like this happens again and be like no no that's fine i i would think by saying this can't happen again you've sort of sent the message at least publicly that if something does happen there has to be a harsh response any chance that o'connell and west phillips would change in the playbook terminology a 
Jordan Edison go route to be called a dog emergency. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, we found out uh, from quarterback that they let players name plays sometimes. So it could be could be fun. Although, I don't know, maybe it's a little close to something that happens at uh, Big Ten universities in terms of hazing. Yes, that's true. Uh, don't do that. It's funny because it wasn't tragic with Jordan. Yeah, Madison. exactly. I mean, it's um, yeah, it could, it's pretty serious. Yeah. Like, one forty I mean, is no like Henry Ruggs killed a girl. Uh, so slower than that? Was it I slower think, than that? I think so. I can't remember. Either way, it was fast. It, was like it doesn't matter here, or there, right? Um, it, so it was fast. It was something that could have happened to Jordan, uh, you know, um, or somebody uh, innocent in the situation. So. Yeah, Addison wasn't really looking to talk about it. He said it's a legal matter. I'm not going to get into reasoning or what happened or any of that. He kept reiterating that I had a, lap, a poor judgment, as he said in a statement right after the incident, um, and just said the playbook is difficult, and he's looking forward to getting back out there. So this is a guy that has probably more. Brooks was doing a buck 56. Y- yikes. So not quite as – he was not quite as fast as Brooks. Yikes. Um, this is a guy that arguably out of the four first round receivers has the most, I don't know. I would think has the most riding on him in terms of what the team needs out of him in year one. Cause when you look at Seattle, Smith and Jigba goes to where Metcalf and Lockett are. You look at flowers, he goes to Baltimore where they don't throw the ball and they got Odell Beckham Jr. Rashad Bateman. And then you look at uh, Quentin Johnston where he joins Mike Williams and Keenan Allen Jordan is replacing Adam Thielen. And, yes, we think K.J. Osborne and the team thinks K.J. can play a bigger role. But Kevin O'Connell said week one starter with Jordan Addison, and so that journey begins now certainly with proving it to them that he can do that. Um, Let's move on and talk about uh, the other receiver on this team that we didn't just mention. Justin Jefferson's contract negotiations are ongoing, according to Quase Adolfo Mensa. He's had good talks with his representatives as as it were portrayed, but there's still no deal. And these seem to be the least dramatic of the negotiations because we all know what's going to happen, right? Like we all know that he's going to sign a 30 plus million dollar deal and the team's not going to let him walk out the door. It's just a matter of when is that going to get done uh, in the pecking order of deals they're working on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting too to see how they do things with him on the field in these early practices because if he's not practicing early, I would think that's an indicator that the deal is not that far from being done, Um, especially because there is no trigger to get it done right now. He's not a free agent after this year. Uh, The Vikings have his fifth-year option yet, and then they could franchise tag him twice if they wanted to do it. So there's incentive. They really wanted to make him mad. Right, (laughs) yes. I mean, that. I don't think they're going to get to that point. But they don't have to do it right now. And I think there's an argument for him to say, I'm not going to do it right now. If I trust that I'm going to be healthy, I let other people go out there and continue to reset the market. I let the TV money hit the cap. And I'm cashing in probably at an even higher number than I would get right now. So it's one of those that I don't think has to be done this week. And I don't think they've played it in a way. I don't think either side has played it in a way that it has to be done right now. I mean, Kwesi talked yesterday saying we're going to talk again. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's farther along than that comment would suggest. I, I don't think it's probably worth spending a ton of time trying to deduce timelines from what he said in a press conference yesterday. But I also just think the facts of the situation are that, you can take a little bit of time with this one. And he said, I, I'm, I asked him, do you look at this one as, okay, it's training camp now. 
because sometimes you'll hear that no more talks about a contract until after the season. Let's just focus on football. And he said, no, we, we're going to keep talking. So they continue to, to work through this. I don't think the fact that anybody's on a field right now is something that will uh, slow those talks down. One of those things that should, uh, you know, kind of kick them into gear would, would be, you know, market forces, right? If there was another wide receiver looking to do the same thing, you want to get in first so you get the lower number. Yes, but the you next, do. He doesn't. But the next guy up is Jamar Chase, who isn't eligible to, for a contract until after this year. That's the next, like, number one guy that could possibly jump Justin. So, yeah, to your point, Ben, there's no rush to from the team's perspective, certainly to try to lock, to lock a number in. And Justin's obviously going to draw that line in the sand and say, you're going to beat this mark. You're going to beat this mark from every other contract that's out there because uh, he's got the right to do that. Can I bring Can I bring up the completely bonkers thing I was talking to you about on the way to the well, Brian Flores press conference? Say, ben, ben, ben we, first. I, w- non I was going to say <laughs> that the, the number bonkers. right now that I would be keeping an eye on is not necessarily Tyreek Hill at 30. I would be keeping an eye on Aaron Donald. I think if the hope for Justin Jefferson – is to reset the market, I would not be surprised at all if that is I want to be the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history, which is that title is currently held by Aaron Donald. So I think it's like 32 and change a year. So I, I think that would be one I'd keep an eye on just in terms of where you're hoping to be, where you're hoping to peg it, that just – Look at that contract and keep an eye on it. That's a good point. I mean, that's I, I didn't think about that, but of course he would have the right to even do that and say I'm yeah. the best player in football who's not a quarter. Or and I'm the 24. Most oh my god, I mean, yeah. Um, that's a good point, and and so maybe the, maybe that's what's holding it up is that it's not even just beating Tyreek; it's beating every other player that's not Justin Herbert and ever all these other guys that are signing fifty million dollar deals. Yeah, Aaron Donald's thirty one <laughs> six a year, thirty one thirty one and two thirds basically. So he might be a thirty two million dollar player, Justin yeah, Jefferson. Very possible. All right, Mike. Then who's your quarterback? This is an insane theory, but go ahead. Would you ever consider trading Justin Jefferson? Because there's one guy on your roster who gives you the draft capital you need to get your franchise quarterback, and that is Justin Jefferson. Nobody else. There is no other way. There's no other path that I see for them to get a first or second overall pick in the 2024 draft if they want to replace Kirk Cousins. Losing a bunch of games. <laughs> they could oh, do that, which, would also, which they could also do by trading <laughs> yeah. Justin Jefferson. But, yeah. again, I, I'm not advocating this. They, I thought about this this morning just because I've been reading a lot of stuff about watch for the thing that's unexpected. I've been doing ketamine. Watch for the thing that's <laughs> unexpected. Like, everything that the thing that nobody's talking about, is that a possibility? I just I'm just – I want to be the first to be – I want to be the first to market with this terrible idea. What if? But what if they can't agree? Like, what if they think this guy is asking for way too much? I don't care how good he is. We can't pay a receiver thirty-five million dollars or whatever it might be. Well, it's. I mean, the quarterback thing just makes this such a a tricky proposition because Ben's not shooting it down right away, Andrew. I'm not. I'm not shooting it down. Thank I, you. I. I just don't think they'll do it. They probably no. Of course they wouldn't. But it. I mean, just the math does make it tricky because. You're in one of two spots here, or maybe three, if you do the bridge quarterback thing. But let's let's throw let's put a pin in that one for now. The if you keep Kirk Cousins, yeah. you are paying him more than you're paying him now, probably. I or thirty thirty five thirty yeah, thirty five. It's not yeah. less than that, I don't think. Um, and then you're paying Justin Jefferson basically like another quarterback. 
Yeah. And the cap's going up. The cap's going up, but you have a lot of needs. I mean, their defense badly needs an infusion of talent. I mean, you need either some of these young guys to hit, and in that case, I mean, let's say Andrew Booth turns into a shutdown corner. Andrew Booth is two years away from free agency after this season. You have to start to think about those types of things, or you have to have the draft capital to go replace a lot of defenders or try to go spend money on a lot of defenders. Christian Derisaw is oh. not that far no. from needing to get paid, and, and that's Andrew going to be expensive. Thomas just cashed in with the Giants. A yeah. huge deal at yeah. left tackle that Derisaw has got to be looking They're at They're already jobs. paying Brian O'Neill a lot. Yeah. Yes. So the idea of let's pay a quarterback and let's pay a receiver this type of money, has anybody done it? I mean – the Packers got to this point, and they said, we're trading Devontae Adams. The Chiefs said, get out of here, Tyree. Correct. Yeah. And the, the Dolphins don't have to worry about it yet because Tua hasn't gotten paid. And the Seahawks, I guess, got rid of Russell Wilson. The Bengals will eventually do it with yes. just Burrow and Chase, but they'll kick Mixon to the curb eventually. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah, so they were, they're going to get to that point. But Burrow, I would argue, is a safer – value proposition than Cousins, both because of what he's accomplished in the playoffs and be, you know, primarily because of his age. He's obviously coming off an ACL, too. Yeah, I mean, there's he would be somebody that I think most front offices would have fewer qualms about paying than Kirk Cousins. I think Of course, could, yeah. You could say that without any, you know, out on the ledge kind And of both stuff. those guys but, are young. Chase and yeah, Burrow are both young. Yeah, so if you're going to pay them both, then how do you structure the rest of your team? If you're not paying Cousins, who's your quarterback, knowing that Cousins is probably going to win you enough games this year that's that where you're this not started. picking higher than, like, 15th? Yeah, that's where this started. I was like, how are, how are they going to get their quarterback if they're coming off of Cousins? And the only thing I could jokingly say to you was, well, obviously they're going to trade Justin Jefferson. Well, I would, I would throw this one out there as well, uh, based on kind of some of the conversations I know they had this spring when they were thinking about moving up, and they very much did, yeah, yeah, uh, looking to get Young, Stroud, or Richardson. Sure. I don't think they are – I don't think they would look at the idea of let's package a couple of first-round picks into the future yeah. to move up and get Caleb Williams or Drake May yeah. as like, no, 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 we can't do that. You, you would hope, I think, to not have to spend – the first round pick in 24, 25 and 26 to move up and right. do it. But there I know, I know there's also a thought process of hey, if you get your guy and you've got the next Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts throwing to Justin Jefferson, fine. We'll deal with the rest of it later. So that's the only other scenario I could see. That's I, more I don't think they're going to trade and That's Jeff- more palatable yes. to me even than imagining a Justin Jefferson but they're they're not looking at that yeah they're not looking at that possibility if it means getting a guy that you are 100% sure can be your franchise quarterback I don't think they look at that as like no we can't no okay absolutely under no circumstances would we do that yeah Mike you brought us into a sports radio segment I like that yes Um, I did hot takes and it it, it took the hot takeier than we usually get it it is it took the Niners three first round picks to go from 12 to 3 for Trey Lance including the one at three that they spent on you got to be right on the guy yeah they really nailed that they were wrong but that's from 12 you think (laughs) the Vikings are gonna get to 12 this year no no yeah that's what I mean like that was Mike's point of like you've got Kirk you've got a floor with this offense that's high enough where it's like what do you do yeah, what yeah. do you do at that position? It, um, it's and Justin tricky. Jefferson probably wants to know. <laughs> well, and that's the other part. It's like, does he 
it, I mean, how much in in these conversations that they're having, how much is the discussion? Hey, uh, who's throwing me the ball in twenty twenty seven? For example, yeah. Uh, next, yeah, pick a year, whatever, however long this contract is. Who's throwing me the ball? I would think is something he would want to know. And he's made a pretty good uh, career out of it, catching passes from Kirk Cousins so far. Although I think yes. he could probably catch passes from just about anybody. Yeah, maybe not I Christian. Think that's Ponder. probably true. Maybe not Christian Ponder. <laughs> that's a good spot to end. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. We will be back to talk to you guys again next week. Until then, please check out all of our work on StarTribune.com.